Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is my trustworthy co-host, Pete. Hiya, Pete. Don't trust anybody, ever, especially me. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> oh, Pete, you're so silly. Tonight's episode, number 121, the penultimate episode in season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Ragtag is brought to you by Hate Foo. Hate Foo, if you're up most mornings at five, you'll put them down by 10. <laughs> uh, I think we could all use a little Hate Foo. Uh, I guess Ward actually got some Hate Foo, but that's, that's, that's the, uh, the, the nighttime version. Anyhow, Pete, before we jump on in, just a couple of notes of interest. First of all, today, May 6th, is the uh, digital drop date for Clark Gregg's new movie, written, directed, and starring him. That is, of course, Trust Me. Check out the preview on iTunes, on YouTube, etc. It'll also be in theaters, probably in a, you know, somewhat limited release. Uh, I believe that's June 6th, Friday, June 6th. And uh, Pete, we look forward to reviewing that on FantasticGeek.com in the coming weeks. So, Pete, that's that on the uh, the Trust Me movie front. Uh, what goodies do you have before we delve into tonight's episode? A little bit of our show news, Matt. Um, of course, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast being but one of the many fantastic geek uh, podcasts. The P family of podcasts, as we refer to them lovingly. Um, but here to tell you tonight uh, that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek has been entered in the Geeky Awards. And for those of you that might not be aware, the Geeky Awards are an award show and ceremony that happens in uh, Los Angeles every August. There are a multitude of uh, categories and uh, we now have uh, our own page on the Geeky Awards website, um, including uh, mentions on their Twitter and their Facebook. And you can access that page, Matt. How? If you go to fantasticgeek.com, there's a tab uh, along the top uh, that says Geeky Awards. And I uh, click on that and uh, that'll, that'll tell you where to go to. So head on over, take a peek, share the love. Good stuff. With that, Pete, let's continue on with our discussion of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right. Our segment where we catch you up on what went down in the episode. We begin with a rather taut teaser. Uh, Juvenile security, Plymouth, Massachusetts, 15 years ago. And in a segment that was released online earlier this week, uh, Agent Garrett um, surprisingly spiffier, 15 years younger and fitter, uh, comes to see um, future agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA, Grant Ward, who has uh, set fire to the family home, uh, claiming not to know his brother was in the house. Uh, Garrett uh, admits to having been a pyro as well in his youth, and he's there with an offer. 
Um, the Ward family is about to press charges, and the older brother is going to move to have Grant tried as an adult. But in 10 seconds, if Grant Ward says yes, while it'll be hard, it'll be fun, and Garrett's going to take him in to S.H.I.E.L.D. and eventually HYDRA. Definitely kind of the beginning of this really um, well-presented and under the surface a really sick story involving the the lengths that Garrett goes to to kind of, you know, co-opt Ward as some sort of, you know, weird son. Um, but in that scene, that was the beginning of many scenes where there's just fantastic makeup or special effects of a digital sense. I'm not quite sure, but the, the effects, whether practical or digital, that they used to dial back Bill Paxton's uh, age, I, I thought it was just fantastic. Whatever they're doing, keep doing it. Yeah, whatever they did to Brett Dalton, too, to get him to look like he was 15 really worked. Pete, I think that was done with another actor. <laughs> oh, well, they did that well, too. <laughs> it's all about casting. Exactly. Uh, our first act uh, features a news report that a um, Bogota Colombian drug lord named uh, Alessandro Cassandra has been uh, decapitated by a man, a monster, or a machine that uh, Fitz quickly decides is Deathlock. And then Coulson uh, was apparently lent the easel by the Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. writer's room to <laughs> yep. explain in circular pattern uh, <laughs> in the expository moments of this episode, Cybertech and Quinn and Garrett and the Clairvoyant and GH325 and it's all connected, hashtag. And it's all connected because we're literally drawing a line from every bubble through the center with a big arrow to say, yeah. Yes. It was exposition heavy. Look, I get it. Like I said last week, it's a function of network television. It's a function of hopefully new people are being drawn in. But how can they be drawn in? Because we're referring back to stories that have been gone on, going on all season. And you can't get the whole past season on, you know, on demand or Hulu or whatever fine it is what it is it's it's a it, it's like the commercials it's a necessary evil of of the the format of the story which is also the format which is bringing us the whole rest of the story so it is what it is indeed um, the tag though was nice i want my plane back yes he wants that plane back and he's gonna get that plane back but um, the hard drive is what we come back to. This has all the research, and this was a big thing throughout the course of the episode that we will certainly examine in more detail in both the dossier and in our Level 7 segment as well. Um, they need to plug it into the, uh, the Cybertech uh, computers. Sky has programmed it with a Trojan horse virus. Um, and that's really something that they need to do to prevent both Garrett, Ward, Hydra, etc., from accessing all the secrets that S.H.I.E.L.D. had, and particularly this cell of S.H.I.E.L.D. has amassed throughout season one. Was it in that scene where they had some wordplay where it was like, then we'll insert the Trojan horse and ride that on home? I, I don't believe know if it was that, that scene, was later on. Later on, okay. The, the wordplay here was more of the lines of, uh, you know, Fitz says we're vigilantes, 
and Colson says, no, we're going to do it because it's right, but that doesn't sound bad. Um, yeah. I predict in season two, they all wear kind of bandito masks. <laughs> God, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I think the way to proceed next would really be to talk about the, uh, the, the fits sky situation when it comes to ward and the, the recurrent motif throughout this episode is that of a loyal and useful dog in buddy, the dog who we see in several flashbacks with ward in was the wilderness ever named i i did not see anything it, uh it wasn't i know it was the wilderness that had cabins and camping not too far from it so i guess war young ward was really dedicated to hanging out there but i don't know yeah might be a soft spot in the story there yeah because they named other areas i was just surprised and again taking notes and and live tweeting and everything else i i did not see that um, he, it's just part of the great wide wilderness it, of America. The Yosemite or what have you, the Jellystone, Zion, where, wherever he was. Um, but, you know, Fitz has repeatedly, like Pete here, um, been the voice that Ward has something left of goodness in him. And yes, we get it. He has shot. Uh, nameless and essentially faceless shield personnel uh in the face making them rendering them furtherly faceless uh he has also killed agent victoria hand who had a face and a pretty one at that indeed indeed I'm, uh, there, I'm there's, forbidden there, there's from blood on his hand there's hands blood on his hand boom yeah. drop the mic I, I, I am verboten from, from using a conjunction. However, I will say there is still good in him, and we saw it tonight. We'll get to it in its proper context in a little bit. Fitz, however, uh, wonders aloud if Ward has an explodey uh, eye spy going on in his uh, cranium. Sky however, like some people, falls firmly on the side. He is evil. Um, so that out in the ether as we have it there, uh, I thought a great way to lessen the tension and possibly to continue inroads into this cast, Agent Triplet emerges with Granddad's spy tech and a really cute moment with Coulson where he's essentially the Captain America, that time frame fan that he is, you know, oh my God, is that a hypno beam? Uh, it's an EMP, yada, yada, cute stuff. It was. And I, I thought that that brief moment that Triplet and Colson shared, to me, that was just another reason why Triplet is going to be part of the cast for season two, because it's almost as though they're kind of trying him out. Well, where does he fit in? We kind of need the, you know, the square jawed Ward guy while Ward right. is on the, you know, on the other side. Okay, so he can do action, bang bang stuff. We've seen him with uh, with Fitzsimmons. Now it's kind of more of that, you know, banter with the boss type stuff. Um, really, really uh, nice scene there. Really, really was. 
if he becomes replacement ward, new ward remains to be seen. There is certainly that possibility. And you know what? It would work at this point, the way that we've developed it. I thought um, too, it was, it was effective in that there were so many gadgets that they didn't mention. There were so many that they quickly showed that I, it made me think for a moment of kind of the gift giving scene in fellowship of the ring where it's like, Oh geez, they got rope. Sam got rope that unties itself. I wonder when he'll need to use that. Oh, in the beginning of the next movie where he ha- needs rope to like, Sometimes when you do this stuff, it's a little bit like, oh, they're giving them the stuff that they need later. The whole comedy of that scene hid some of the, well, hid the fact that they're getting the laser thing to break into to the, the file room later on. And then even further in the plot that, that you know, this is where, where uh, Fitz will have the EMP. So it was kind of a disarming, you know, gift giving scene, you know, props for later type type moment. I don't really understand that reference because I don't watch cartoons, but I'll take your word for it. Act two begins still 15 years ago. And Garrett at Peter J. Kittler, why he should like Lord of the Rings. Anyhow, go ahead, Pete. (laughs) 15 years uh, back in the past, uh, Garrett talks about retiring to the wilderness. And you had to wonder whether he was going to be permanently retired in this episode. Um, He's got some ducks that he shot and uh, he leaves young Ward and Buddy the dog in this wilderness. Uh, you want something, you have to earn it, he says. And he also tells Ward, stop blaming me. And he leaves Ward without food, but with a dog, and tells him, I'll be back in a couple of months. Pete, you know what it had shades of, uh, and if you'll pardon me jumping the, the, the great comic divide here, the uh, the comic book All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, which is nowhere as near as effervescent as it sounds. This is a 2005 to 2008 series done by Frank Miller, where basically it's kind of a a, a, a retelling of the Batman story in which Batman um, takes over, you know, you know, cares for Robin and cares for Robin by doing things like not letting him leave the Batcave for months on end and telling him if you're hungry catch bats figure it out and this poor eight-year-old kid is just down there crying his eyes out cold you know so on and so forth and it's not meant to be a flattering portrayal of batman and here we have similarly garrett doing the exact same thing which it wasn't presented as harshly as you know maybe a 10 p.m you know detective drama would be the you know the the abuse of the kid left alone but they kind of gave you the iceberg there and it's it, it was incredibly chilling for what it was presented as which was kind of more the gleeful ah ha ha good luck kid um chilling nonetheless so uh we cut back to real time where at the palo alto california uh headquarters of cybertech colson and may are undercover um as uh, former S.H.I.E.L.D. Dr. Tittle, and who is the other one there? Rome. Yes. Tittle and Rome. uh, I loved it. Um, It was uh, the second scene that was uh, leaked officially earlier this week. However, what we were not shown was the intercut sequence with Agent Triplett and Sky 
in the other vehicle trying to hack the UHF, uh, uh, trying to hack into Cybertech, which we learned moments later, they don't have computers to hack into, wisely keeping everything in hard copy. But between the ear device, uh, Colson repeating what Fitz tells him to say, and at one point beginning in his Scottish brogue, uh, lovely um, flourish by uh, Clark Gregg and uh, Agent May uh, mic'd up with Gemma Simmons speaking at a Simmons-like rate of, uh, you know, how many words per minute uh, was <laughs> really, really well done comedically, well done from uh, an act standpoint of, uh, again, decreasing the tension. Um, really cute. It really was. It was, you know, the show tends not to go for, for such broad comedy, but it really, really worked because, I mean, essentially the, the, the burden of that scene was to not have them have a, you know, the, the burden was not on the interview, successful or not. It was to get them left alone with security guard in the elevator um so they went for the comedy and it just it it just worked on all levels it was absolutely fantastic and it was also kind of like hey we're back at work we get to like play shield agents even though there's no more shield anymore just a lot of fun there a lot a lot of fun definitely um you know the the sleepy sleep gun that uh the cyber tech uh techs have been made aware of but no it's an icer you know the back and forth there but uh, all roads lead to Colson and May, uh, both bespectically uh, challenged there, infiltrating the cybertech file room. There's no mainframe. And uh, they find out that Project Deathlock dates all the way back to 1990 and that uh, Agent Garrett was the original Deathlock, with, which is actually kind of true to the comics in that there have been multiple death locks so i really, really? like that idea i had uh i had forgotten that discussion way back when it's it's oh wow look at that there really are a ton it's it's a long season matt yeah so um, they but it, it was also pete for those of us who who caught the detail a couple weeks ago it was not entirely a shock to us since we saw he had kind of a metal torso so, Matt, occasionally our listeners might hear the sound of Skype, us typing a note or uh, something to one another. But uh, get ready for a large file transfer. <laughs> Crash. Um, because there goes the files for Deathlock and uh, the important Cybertech uh, filing cabinet from a several story window really cute i mean that was a cute gag that really was that was a nice solid joke well done bravo uh our third act here which began with um ward shivering in the wilderness alongside buddy the dog and then great transition into uh the current time frame with ward uh, angry at Garrett and Garrett telling him to use his indoor voice. Um, 
Ward says he's not the scared kid anymore. Uh, and Garrett suddenly clutches his side. Um, Ward clears the uh, the tech room that Fitzsimmons uh, had established on the bus and stabilizes Garrett. Um, Colson and May are then learning that in 1990, Garrett was patient zero and that apparently he wants the GH325. I thought a great line from Sky here so that he can be a real live boy again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mining mining the Disney stuff wherever you can. And certainly earlier in those scenes, I think that we're getting more of the, 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 the shadowing, the detailing of this messed up father-son relationship that Garrett and Ward have, that they can have this fight. And essentially, I hate you, Dad. I hate you, Dad. But as soon as Dad says, oh, uh, I think I'm having a heart attack, son, then it's, you know, the, 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 the true meaning of family shines through. Um which is just all the you know all the, the the sicker as it's contrasted with this months and months and months that that young young Ward spent out there in the wilderness just surviving on his uh you know on his own six to be exact but Fitz still clings to this idea that good remains in Ward um Garrett reveals that his biomechanical parts work but the cyber tech people have told him his organs are failing he has a month maybe two um may and sky have a long overdue heart to heart um on the revelation of ward and where they are with that um sky admires may's zen warrior uh, you know, exterior calls her a statue. May says that she is furious, but she's not going to waste it. She's going to mine it. She's going to save it. And she's going to turn it on Ward at the appropriate time. Uh, that's where we get the hate foo reference. That was Sky's line uh, of the evening. Was that foreshadowing, by the way, Pete? Is that possibly setting up the season finale? I think anything is possible. At this point, uh, the cut that I saw was was not locked just yet. It was uh, not death locked. Still, still finalizing those special effects shots, no doubt. Yeah, they did a scoring session the other day and everything, so they're they're still working through it. In uh, <laughs> in old Havana, there, uh, Ian Quinn is receiving a five dollar haircut, something he's apparently never done in his life. Um, he explains how he's going to be in Washington, D.C. tomorrow in the secret scene. He left the secret scene part of it out um, and to to speak to the people in the Capitol about Deathlock decapitating people. I didn't fully get at that at that point. Um, how do I put this? That that Quinn was acting as the good guy front to save you from those bad guy Hydra people who are doing things like this. Um, but it certainly was, I mean, it was kind of plain enough there. It just kind of didn't, didn't click for me, but he, that actor is just so great at selling high end smarmy. And you really just saw it there. Like it almost was a pride. Like this actually is a $30 haircut, you know? Right. Um, and he's just wonderful. He's somebody who, who I hope they keep around uh, in a recurring capacity for uh, for a while. 
the unctuous nature is is definitely there and the enemy of my enemy stuff in the military context later on will certainly examine what I thought was played effectively. Um, cut back to the wilderness. Uh, Garrett returns after those six long months. Hey, I brought tacos. Um, <laughs> but Ward reveals that uh, he struggled early. He looks even a little gaunt, a little pale. He says his thinking was limited, but then eventually he raided cabins. Oh, hey, I got a handgun, shows Garrett uh, a lot about the tacos and this fabled hand-eye coordination that we've seen from Ward is further established in turning over the weapon here. Although, all right, so he wasn't given a gun before, but he had been around Um you know, guns with uh, Garrett. I, I found that rang a little false for me. The sudden, wow, you have a handgun. But wait, before you had a rifle, and I was nowhere near as impressed. <laughs> That's a fair point. I mean, look, I, I'm no gun nut. You're no gun nut. I'm sure if we had our pal, Mike Sorensen here. <laughs> or a grape nut. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just, th- I mean, in terms of my basic knowledge of firearms, I'm just thinking, you know, a shotgun obviously kind of sprays the, the shot, doesn't require as much finesse, say, as a handgun. So maybe there's some of that there. Like, and I also was wondering, too, like, how many, uh, how proficient is Young Ward at using a shotgun? How often is he getting shells? I don't know. I, again, sometimes there's this stuff where it's like, it's just there on the surface, just go with it. We don't need to analyze, you know, Ward's personal gun training. Um, but yeah, there certainly was a little discontinuity there between, wow, I have a gun and you have a gun, but I'm much more impressed by yours. Although so, Pete, wait, hold on. Maybe, maybe there's some sort of whole like male thing there, metaphorical. <laughs> Don't, I'm not going to go too deep on it, but I'm just saying maybe there's, maybe there's a lot of depth to this here where it's like, wow, yours versus mine, dad, de facto dad, just it, it's all connected, Pete. He caught him coming out of the shower. Um, <laughs> so back in the current time, uh, Reyna has almost recreated the GH-325 um, in one vial. This is the only one in the world, says Reyna. Uh, so, of course, you know, we've, we've this is Chekhov's vial of uh, serum, Matt. It absolutely is. It's the ticking time bomb of, hey, there's this special thing. Surely it's going to get used, and probably soon. Because there are many strengths to this show, but it really does tend to wrap up the little details um, from yeah, w- within an episode. It's not There's not a ton of stuff um, prop-wise, detail, you know, small detail-wise that moves from week to week. Yes, I know the hard drive. That was an exception to the show's credit, but... There was really the sense, hey, they're, they're, somebody's using that vial by 9 o'clock. Uh, cut to outside the uh, barber shop, the Hannah Barberia in uh, Havana. No, I'm not making that up. That's what the exterior uh, of the barber shop read. Um, nice. Nice, and, nice touch there. And uh, May and Colson are staking it out. But uh, Simmons 
and Fitz are uh, near the bus. They call Coulson. Um, he has put them under orders not to go it alone. However, uh, Simmons, who I know some people suspect uh, as Hydra, given that she was at the hub when uh, everything went down in the now infamous turn, turn, turn nope. episode post Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Nope. Uh, she says, what's that? I, I'm saying, nope, she's not bad. Uh, I, I want to hear what you have to say, Pete. But I'm just I want people to know it's not me. Oh, I don't think she's bad either. Um, she says she can't handle square one again. And she is the one that suggests uh, they send in a dwarf. Um, Fitz jumps to Sleepy. He's the best one because of the modifications you made, Gemma. So uh, no sooner do they prepare to do this than Ward catches them. We flash back 10 years ago now. And uh, Ward suddenly looks like the current time. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but Pete, his hair is kind of more combed down, and sometimes he wears a red ball cap. That means he's only like twenty or something. Yeah, it was a little of the uh, the emo Ward. Um, and I hate you, Dad. I hate yeah. you. You always make me live we, in the woods. We get sufficient backstory here on Garrett. He had been fragged by an IED outside of uh, Sarajevo. Um, there were excuses made by S.H.I.E.L.D. for the medevac. So what did he do? He duct taped his guts and he's going to treat S.H.I.E.L.D. the way they treated him. So, uh, hey, kid, have you ever heard of Hydra? Uh, did you ever watch gladiator movies? You know, <laughs> those kind of things. It's all about the survival here. There endeth almost the lesseneth. One more flashback. Then I duct taped my intestines back inside. I mean, that is just such an image that does not require special effects, that doesn't require anything other than a seasoned actor nailing those lines. I see it in my head, and it's it's horrid. And I see the duct tape actually doing that job well enough. You, you know, think like it's I, silver duct tape, or do you think there's like special issue shield? Not like the black electrical duct tape, but I'm wondering right. like everything else shield has with the the eagle logo on it. I was just imagining kind of a. Like a, like a field issue, maybe brown or dark green. But I, I think knowing Shield, it just would be like we're the secret organization with Shield, the duct tape. Coming I'm soon, Shield the mug. Shield I'm the say espresso that maker. Uh, you know the way it dispenses on, on on the dais on the side there on the wheel, if you will, is the Shield logo. Fine, I I I, I like that even better. Really so do. get on that. Somebody, somebody designed that shield standard issue duct tape. I'm, I'm ready to, I want it in my garage, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, so Fitzsimmons, uh, are brought to the bus, uh, tense standoff there, uh, with Garrett and, uh, Ward goes into the pocket there. It's a quarter and a jokey, buzz device which we've already established is an electromagnetic pulse device aha the joke's on you 
uh, first death lock. You are now uh, whirring to a halt. I hadn't caught that. Was Deathlock in that scene and, and affected by it? Uh, or, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're referring to Deathlock number one. V1, baby, Garrett. V1. V1, of course. I take that back. Proto I guess that's Deathlock. Version, version zero. The beta. Protlock. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, it was nice that we knew what that was. They had already established what it does, how it works. Um it was it was really effectively done just in terms of the setup of it and it it was fitz rising to be the hero yet again fitz recognizing hey i'm going to take take the least of all these gadgets the one that just has the the 10 foot emp you know what could that get you but you know it, it gets him plenty it gets him you know uh sending garrett you know tumbling towards his death uh if not for intervention so uh fitz my hero bus lifts off Fitz tells Garrett uh he's glad uh you're dead and he's gonna let him die flashback for the final time to the wilderness Ward has been accepted into the operations division of shield uh Garrett is uh evil dad proud of him now take care of buddy (laughs) uh it's not a weakness is it I felt like I, I not even I felt I saw that coming that that it was going to come down to that. I mean, they had set up the good, reliable dog so many times, and I was just flashing back to you know high school English class being told you know cruelty to animals and cruelty to children in a novel. That's the ultimate test of you know an an irredeemable bad guy. As soon as you know, so and so in War and Peace is like beating the horse to death. That's just proof that he's the most evil there. Um, and to me, it was like, you know, Pete, we've discussed what is Ward's future in the show? How's he going to pay the price? What good is in him? Can we still feel the good in him? Um, we don't want to lose Brett Dalton from the series. I'm not sure how you, you keep him and Ward is still evil. You know, we've had all these discussions. The show at, at this moment, is he going to shoot a lovely dog a companion of all these months in the head or not that's when i said this is where the show commits if the dog dies ward really is bad and there's no getting at, that's that's saying to the audience get ready for get get ready for him staying bad if he doesn't then there's wiggle room and they they're going to find their way out of the mire to make wards you know remain in some capacity and uh and pete what happens well, we'll come back to that in a moment because there's a little bit before we get to that from a chronological sense. Cliffhanger! Yeah, Reyna is alone with Garrett. Uh, he has a mechanical failsafe, uh, which is uh, partially the centipede serum, uh, but he says he's too far gone. Again, with the simple symbolism here. Okay, he needs to he be... Said, he says, take the plate off me. I want to look upon you with my own eyes. With my own eyes. I so, have no eyebrows. Yes, and I've <laughs> been replaced by another actor. Um, so he needs a jump start here with the GH325, and she gives it to him. Um, Fitzsimmons, mean, meanwhile, are cornered by a ward. They give him the old, you know, we're friends... Um, it's essentially 
they are essentially Buddy the dog. Okay, uh, let us go. No, I have orders. They're behind the door. Uh, Ward says that he cares. He hits the old uh, button on uh, the panel there, intercut with him choosing to let Buddy go. Okay. And I, I love it when shows do that, where you have yeah. two different storylines that are really playing off of each other. And the suspense for both of them, I mean, obviously it was leading to the same climax. A climax that in a moment, Pete, I'm going to say, oh, we kind of had a wah, wah, but still we were building. Oh my goodness. I, I have this virtually the same thing in my notes. Buddy and Fitzsimmons are thematically linked. Buddy is Fitzsimmons. Yes. What happens, Pete? Well, you know, we've been guarded in how they will treat this. And I really have to say this was a well done, um, thought out, compassionate, sympathetic, but not without cost, um, playing out of the weakness. And, you know, we're not quite clear. Are they at altitude? Is he ejecting them? Is he going to, is this, um, an escape pod? Uh, is it pump all the air? Are they going to be decompressed? Uh, and then we see Matt, so he lets them go. It is his weakness taking over. He does have feelings for them, but <laughs> they fall all the way out of the plane about 20 feet in this presumably floating, uh, totally sealed off thing that's just going to float there for a while. So it wasn't even like they fell a lot. It was literally like the the candy bomber in post-World War II. Like, they're flying so low to just kind of let you go, boop, now you have your own little boat, guys. <gasps> Maybe there'll be dramatic tension, sexual tension as you two are on the boat. <laughs> you You discover that there's a box of Apollo bars and you start to talk about, you know, whether Scotland should be independent. I mean, it's, it was not, it was, there was the, there was a slight wah wah of, of just, they didn't even fall much. They just kind of fell out of the back of the plane. Like, gee whiz. There could have been, you know, we're going to, we're going to take in the good, you know, that they handled the conflict and the resolution, at least at that point of the conflict, very well. Uh, you know, D minus on drama, though, uh, at least like give us something to maybe suspect right. that he remained to the bad. Right. We don't need to see them land. Just eject it and leave it at that. And yeah. then in the next episode, leave us hanging for a week. Did he do it? Is he but, so far gone? Like, seriously, one of them is going to take out the transistor radio or the whatever and just basically be like, yo, here's our coordinates to somebody. I grant you it's not, you know, get on the shield horn. Right. But like, they're just going to be floating out there until somebody picks them up. There wasn't enough dramatic weight. Maybe they're going to be out there for four days and they're going to have all chapped lips and whatever. But we're not like, oh, my goodness, did they just kill off these two people? Like, is this a discussion to have? Nope. They're fine. They're just fine. So post injection uh garrett spazzes he asks is it done he uh he flashes like he has the extremis uh compound uh in him from uh iron america uh, iron america <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good name iron america I iron america three 
um, from Iron Man 3. Um, and uh, when he's asked how he feels, he says he feels the universe. Um, final oh, like piece. Pete, what, uh, what color does he turn? Well, orange like the extremist warriors. So that, yeah. More on that in a bit, friends. Yeah. Pete, back to you. Uh, final piece before our secret scene is uh, Coulson, whose thing apparently is opening secret doors um, in the Havana uh, Hydra base. And they are suddenly cornered by a multitude of centipede soldiers with glowing red eyes, one of whom seemed to be bearing the Berserker staff. It's all connected. I mean, and we overuse that, or well, we use that exactly as much as we're supposed to, rather. But it's, my goodness, the show is coming together so wonderfully. And we can all look forward to season two, not quite being a reboot, but, you know, here's, here's what I anticipate. Season two starts with a fresh storyline. We're going to be like, man, episode three had nothing to do with episode four. This stinks. And we're, like, we're all going to lose our perspective again. So uh, our secret scene takes place the next day, as we've been told previously by uh, Ian Quinn. Um, he explains that what Deathlock did in Bogota was a freebie to uh, one of the president's secret service men from 24, who is now on a different show here uh, playing a general in the army. Um, was he a general in another Marvel something? Not maybe Iron Man three. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, um, but basically, uh, Bin Laden has existed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, you know, Quinn asks him, "Were the costs worth it?" Uh, you know, I can sell you these super soldiers. I can sell you a thousand of them, and uh, you know, just like I ripped or had Deathlock rip the head off this uh, this bad man, we could rip a thousand heads off these bad men will you will you make the deal with me it was a really compelling argument that he was making obviously with i mean you know we're we're party to having peered behind the curtain and we know that that uh he is in league with with hydra but quinn's argument to the military was so compelling saying i'm actually a good guy hydra has done all this bad stuff i'm your round protective thing i won't say shields to the military because shield is now a bad word but he's essentially saying let me let me um let me be the one to help protect you and not just kind of protect you in a in a general sense and to do it at a lower rate look at that so it wasn't the most zingery secret scene but my goodness it was like in a certain sense, it was one of the most compelling ones that we've seen because it's completely believable within the world that they're in. Well, it's Endgame, Matt. It's, you know, the, the Centipede arc has been a season-long arc from the first episode with Mike Peterson going through this experimentation. And it's the last one that will connect to this season. The next secret scene we will see will be a season two or Marvel Cinematic connection. Wow. It's all connected. It is. With that, Pete, shall we move on? Indeed. The dossier. 
All right, a detailed look at our uh, bad guys in this episode. Again, none of them new, but new views of them. We begin with uh, Grant Ward as an angsty 15-year-old. Ah, the, the, the true source of evil in this episode, isn't it? Pete, kidding around aside, though, uh, the notion that Garrett was presenting himself to Ward as kind of a better paternal alternative, but in a really kind of sick and twisted way where, where it's kind of saying, well, hey, Ward, you have no other, uh, you know, no other option than to let me be your new awful dad. Um, it was just something that kind of on a character level, I mean, it was well presented. It it, it it does not sit well with me in terms of, no pun intended, it, you know, it, it upsets me a little bit, but not not be, from the writer end, from the, the notion of, you know, willful suspension of disbelief and this being a real thing. This is a creepy guy. This is a troublesome guy, almost more so than, hey, I helped, you know, bring down a, you know, a, a, a government organization that protects people ostensibly this was worse. This was like, you know, twisting a kid. Is it me? I've seen this scene twice. Uh, Is it me? Or was there a creepy uncle vibe to this, you know, Garrett, an established secret agent buddies with the, with the quartermaster at your military school, you know, recruiting the 15 year old. I don't think that they were suggesting the the the, the completion of that thought. Pete, oh, I'm not either. Suggestion. I'm in no way. I'm just wondering. But yes, there was the subtext. beginning of that. Yeah, the beginning of that. There is. Yeah, is he's he's looking for young men in prison to to corrupt, and I don't mean that in a in, in you know in a double entendre way, but yeah, kind of that intersection with, as you say, the creepy uncle. Uh, type thing but pete i mean garrett is a troublesome troublesome guy he is um you know that being said his motivations in this episode are revealed to be about extending his life he's afraid to die um you know now that we fully expose that he is part of the Deathlock program um, you know, the parts are failing, he's out of warranty, you know, whatever you want to say, um, you know, he, he's, he's looking to stay alive and people like that are perhaps the most dangerous at the same time. They're perhaps the most one dimensional, um, because the motivations are completely clear. Um, moving down our dossier Deathlock for the second straight episode and, you know, he's staring at Raina and, um, you know, the, the, the phrase, uh, you know, somebody play God with you too, uh, is used there. You know, do you have the, the eye in here in, in you? And, um, you know, he comes out and asks her, why are you here? And she says, you know, Raina, another one on our dossier here, you know, she's looking for the gifted. She thought that Garrett um, was doing the same. And now that the clairvoyant has been pushed aside and revealed as Garrett and, you know, no further aspersions about greater callings. It's just about resources. 
and she's very curious about Sky and Michael Peterson, the former Michael Peterson, Deathlock, knowing a little bit about Sky. And she asks him, you know, what's inside her? You know, I, I've gotten a look. We have something in common. Um, you know, she thought Garrett was interested in special people. Now I know he's just afraid to die. She's seen the files. She's seen the DNA. She talks about the village in the Hunan province of China and that monsters destroyed those people and that she's found that the monsters were the baby's parents that we'll talk a little bit more about in level seven. We absolutely will. Um, certainly, uh, I mean, a compelling scene in that it made me much more sympathetic to Reyna. And I think it's worth mentioning, it's such a credit to the show, that you essentially have half of this episode being carried by scenes that have none of our stars in them. You have whole scenes where the evil agents of Hydra, Hydra was S.H.I.E.L.D., so the evil agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are on the bus doing their evil, nefarious Garrett stuff. Um, and each one of them, they're characters that we're invested in, characters that we care about, so on and so forth. And... Um, She's somebody too, where you know, as we look ahead now to there's there's only forty two minutes left to the to the season, and as we look ahead to to season two, by the way, TV by the numbers predicting a one hundred percent chance of renewal. Um, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> by the way, it's also worth mentioning while we're on that tangent, the we will know for sure by next the airing of next week's episode. Uh, and next week's podcast, we will know the renewal situation and the scheduling situation. ABC Media upfronts in New York, where you tell your advertisers all the great things you're going to do, so they give you money. Um, that's scheduled for during the day on Tuesday, May 16th. So we will know for sure, dear listeners, the next time we all talk. But to go back to Reina, I would like, I could see her as like the, hey, I was just working for the wrong side of the team, or like, now I'm going to be a Dr. Zola who you know, joins Operation Paperclip. And now I'll work for the good guys searching for these mute special people. You know, th these, <laughs> they're these mutes. They can't mu er the miracle people, the age <laughs> of miracles. They're not in any way genetically mute because 20th century Fox will sue. With that, Pete, I think, have we covered everything in the dossier? We have indeed. Okay. It's time to analyze and theorize we are going to build to the most interesting and the most loaded of theories. Uh, first thing, however, came up, uh, the character of Zeller was spoken of, never seen. Um, and Garrett told Zeller to stream Deathlock video of his kid later in the afternoon of the primary action of the episode. We never saw that take place, but um, interesting that that's going on. So the breadcrumbs, the motivation for Deathlock, much like Ward, reason for good to remain in these otherwise nefarious characters. Now, Pete, have we seen a Zeller? Because I just did a little search as you were speaking, and... They're making reference to Kyle Zeller having been in last week's episode, but I could not tell you who that is at all. I couldn't either. Uh, the name I did not recognize. We had given one other name, Kaminsky, 
right? The the one who's a little too Hail Hydra with the uh, West Texas oh, yeah. uh, cheerleader line. Um, and he I'm was not... name checked. Okay. I mean, that's what whatever page I was just on, which was uh, Marvel.com, if you think they're reputable mm-hmm. fellows and folks. Um, so I guess that's just kind of an in... I guess that's maybe not supposed to be as... Um, yeah, hey, hey, people who don't know Marvel, get get looking on that because I did a quick search and there's like another, there's like Gretchen Zeller, Zeller, who's a character, you know, who's yeah, who's a Marvel character. But I guess that's not it. We already had our Zeller last week, so one to grow on. <laughs> Garrett has been chasing something for 25 years. It was never definitively. Uh, stated but implied that it was GH325 given that in 1990 probably shortly before in the conflict in Sarajevo um, he was breaking out the duct tape on um, you know the lower part of his GI tract so uh, is it indeed GH325 or is there a further reveal is there something else he's been seeking for all these years? Huh, that's a good question. Uh, well, how about this, Pete? Maybe it's the source of the GH325 that, you know, the blue man, who let's not forget, that's a mystery that um, was very much in our face and then kind of has fallen by the wayside. And I wouldn't necessarily expect to see more of that in next week's episode. Um, would I be surprised? No, but I think they are... As much as uh, Jeff Loeb is saying, we're not going to be like that other bad show that was on ABC that made you wait too long for answers. Um, I think that they're going to make us on. wait for some answers. <laughs> What's that? That I worked on. <laughs> yeah, that I worked on in its most watched season, one of its most successful seasons, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, <laughs> our longtime listeners know my my thoughts on Mr. Loeb and his view of that uh, that marvelous show. No pun intended. Um, but maybe it was that. Maybe it's the alien angle. As Pete, as you've mentioned many times before, we have. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase what you've said. We have 42 minutes left in the Earthbound Marvel Cinematic Universe till September, uh, plus maybe 10 minutes from Guardians of the Galaxy. So we have very little left. And how much of that is going to springboard tangentially in a, you know, mostly unrelated way to Guardians of the Galaxy? I don't know. I wouldn't expect a ton. But um, maybe there's that connection there. We do have a blue alien hanging out there. We have blue aliens in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know. Perhaps there's a connection there. I am going to definitively state that the alien origin of GH325 will be dealt with next week. Wow. Now, Pete, is that based on knowledge that you have or just your your crack theorization? Spoiler, Pete does not reveal sources. Ah, fair enough. Um, Pete, I'll mention one for you. I thought that um, the when there's the whole scene where it's like essentially Garrett is like, oh, good little Deathlock. You work so nicely for us. Oh, <laughs> right. We have your kid at like, you know, metaphorical, if necessary, literal gunpoint. What a team player, babe. Thanks so much. I was wondering if perhaps they were setting up Deathlock killing Garrett in the finale. Uh, uh, on that theory, I vote yes. Just that look that Deathlock gives Garrett on the plane. 
says to me next week it's exit stage right for uh, Bill Paxton and it's Mike Peterson redeemed uh, perhaps also you know joining the agents as a uh, maybe recurring hero if not a, uh, a full-time hero it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that can can deathlock be used as a positive resource that I'm not so certain about. Um, but again, you know, that's, that's why we're going to tune in. Um, you know, the, the one I want to talk about is the, uh, agent trip, uh, granddaddy tech, um, and the, and the box of goodies there. We established him a couple episodes ago as having a grandfather who was one of uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Howling Commandos, shows up with uh, a box of all this stuff before, and I get it, it was in storage, or they might not have needed it, or they were antiques, but now with no backup, they become, uh, they, they come into play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it really it, it's all coming together. As I've said many times before, I love how trip is being elevated here. And um, as they are coming to an end of this first season, I guarantee you some of these mysteries are being or, or questions or threads are being set up for next season. They must have been confident in the writing and shooting uh, and editing portions of these episodes to really feel like they're going to get a second season well so here we come to the guts of it matt we talk ward we talk garrett we talk deathlock but let's talk real monsters not the ones under your bed yeah that was a very conspicuous bit of dialogue there and the notion that a somebody killed all the people it was in the village, right, Pete? All yes. the people in the village? Yes. Somebody killed all those people. Um, and that it was Sky's parents. Well, then where are they? If they can kill a village, who are they? And then just that word monsters were edging closer in the uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe towards the idea of gifted people. It's something that the show has been pushing with Reyna for, you know, since her introduction. Uh, something that really the 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 movies are pushing for the first time with that, that secret scene from, uh, from Captain America, the winter soldier, um, because all the other people have just kind of been, um, have just been, you know, I built this suit. It makes me extraordinary or, you know, Thor otherworldly fine. Um, but it's kind of been the sci tech thing that causes your, your specialness, not, not, you know, the dreaded mutant word. Pete, the question, though, is this. Are Sky's parents some of these people with extraordinary abilities, the special people, the, 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 the gifted, the age of miracle folks? I'm not 100% certain. I don't think that this is something that will be resolved in the finale. I think signs point to Hulkification. Ah. Of sorts, um, you know, I'm not going to steal a, a theory you have posited. Uh, not that I jumped on it, but um, when we we talked about what happened with Sky being injected with the GH three two five, 
there is this idea of a red Hulk and a red female Hulk. And, you know, could that be something going on? We know Sky is an 084, uh, not of terrestrial origin, misunderstood, not understood. And, um, you know, where they're going to go with it, we don't fully know just yet. But this is the first time that there's been menace equated at least from Reina's perspective, and and that yeah. is what it is, that these were monsters that were her parents that did this. It's a it's a delicious and a telling word, given that this is you know essentially a comic book universe. You know what could these monsters be? The, the show's effects continue to to be so impressive. Um, whether it's the Garrett stuff, whether there's a, that great. Uh, shot of the jump jet and then there kind of was the you know documentary style zoom in to to catch it i mean okay the green screen work isn't always great but the show has such capabilities for effects are we at a point where it makes financial sense to have some sort of well i'll use your word some sort of hulkification some sort of effect on that level uh whether it's a morph or whether it's you know the stuff that would require you know, computer generated model knocking over, you know, the stuff, the throwing, flipping cars, that kind of thing. Um, do you think we're going to get that next week? I don't. The full public disclosure of Marvel's phase three has not taken place. They have tentpole movie dates, they do not have films assigned to them outside of Avengers 3. I'm sorry, outside of um, Avengers 2, Ant-Man, and that's it. Doctor Strange is floating out there. For the first time, we're starting to hear uh, after, you know, being the, uh, you know, breakout star of Avengers that the Hulk is going to get another movie. That's not set in stone, however. And I got to wonder how malleable the plan is with what sky is to what Marvel cinematically is going to be doing. And I wonder if that might create another direction. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Feige is on the, on the record of saying he, that what they've planned out to 2024 or something. Mm -hmm. So to have those as benchmarks and then to, you know, be, be whipping the show around them. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It certainly is. Uh, it's it's interesting roads ahead just for the whole whole MCU thing. Well, Pete, with that, have we covered everything in level seven? Are there any little nooks and crannies left in the old file folder there? Good to go. All right, then let's move on. Transmissions. Matt, let's check the wire. Indeed, Pete. First, we start with an email from Henry who says, Dear Fantastic Geek, do you think Fitz and Simmons are dead or do you think they'll escape? My two cents uh, is that they're dead because they weren't in the promo for next week's episode. Would you be sad if they are? Uh, so, Pete, let's start yes. there. Would you be sad? <laughs> <laughs> I would. You killed the dogs. Um, they are not dead. It would have been nice, again, as as we mentioned earlier, to perhaps have that uh, dramatic tension, you know, uh, last a week instead of, you know, three seconds and to see that they plummeted exactly 17 and a half feet in a steel box. 
and maybe have scrapes, but um, yeah, uh, they're not going to kill them off. Uh, at least not this season. Certainly would, uh, would agree with that. I would be, I would be broken hearted. I wouldn't, I'm not saying I'd go so far as like, I'm not going to watch anymore, but that would kind of be my emotional reaction. Like, all right, show I'm angry at you. Make it up to me. Yeah. I mean, if I couldn't see the lovely Elizabeth Hentridge and the, uh, charming Ian DeKegister, uh, on my TV each week. Wow. <laughs> well, Pete, you're going to get a little mini version of that starting, uh, one week, you know, one week from now after season one concludes, it'll be a little while before we see any of them again, but that's why some of us DVR this, uh, this excellent show. Just go back and go back. Oh yeah. Pete, this next email is from Simon. He says, uh, love the podcast. Keep it up Two general thoughts. Um, and he says, while I love the show from the very beginning, I do think that uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, was a game changer, mm-hmm. elevating the show to a whole new level. What are your thoughts? Could this synergy have been fostered sooner, or did we need the initial buildup for it all to pay off? You had to get to the movie, and and it's really the way it should work. If If you're going to blueprint this, I can't think of a better way to do it. You had to let the show... Uh, do its own thing, establish its characters, but those characters were being established all with the uh, end game or the mid game, we shall say, really, of getting to the, the Hydra reveal. Um, the pilot was written independently of the Captain America Winter Soldier script, which was just uh, in the early shooting uh, phase when they filmed it. But then beginning with the pickup of the series, they knew what was going to happen. And their story, at least, is that they were sowing the seeds from then on. And I'm sure when I fire up the DVR at the end of the season, you know, I'm going to go back and note possible places where they were sowing those seeds, you know, looks that Ward was were giving uh you know can be taken other ways now i'm sure you know the actor didn't know until they did yes man that was when he was told uh they brought him in and you know um it's come to light in the wake of uh the revelation that ward is hydra that you know uh he got called in he said he hadn't been called in like that um uh dalton since uh you know, he called, got called into the principal's office when he was a kid and all the writers were there <laughs> and were explaining, okay, you're, you're, you're Hydra, you know, you, you have been all along and, you know, this is how it goes down. And he was the only one who knew for a time. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, the inside baseball and, and everything like that. And, you know, that's how it needs to be, particularly, you know, we've had a possible Star Wars Episode Seven title floated today, which I think is way too soon to to begin to attach with any kind of serious nature. And the whole point of it is this: it's 2014, and these things will eventually slip out because of the information age. And you know, shows and movies have gone through all sorts of links. Matt, you know, you're a lost guy, as was I. Um, and you know, the way they would code name the ends of their seasons and, you know, uh, store them, you know, sometimes literally on ice. ER did a great singer at the end of one season, bringing back 
Clooney in something that was actually kept in a refrigerator uh, until it was aired. Only Juliana Margulies, Clooney, and you know the guy who shot it even saw it until it aired. Wow. You know, that kind of thing, though, is exceedingly rare in this age because of people like me who want to know everything right now. <laughs> well, Pete, the final email comes from Noah, who says, uh, well, his subject line is, ah, another cliffhanger. <laughs> the season finale hopefully won't end in a cliffhanger or I just might explode. Now, something I was thinking is, if Coulson resigned from Project Tahiti, who oversaw the restart, if it was ever shut down, and Coulson's operation, if not Fury? Did they just use his research, or did, the, uh, did they replace him for Coulson's operation? Also, they left the Sky Monster Parents mystery very open-ended. And will Ian really give the U.S. government a tour of their new base, or a, quote, tour of their, quote, new base? Which, let me pause right there, because he has a bunch of good stuff here. The notion that they might take those generals and, I don't know, gun them down or do something bad, that's not a bad theory. I mean, I don't know that it, now they think it through, like, well, hey, where did the general go, so on and so forth. But, like, if they appear again next week, they might not, those generals might not necessarily be in a safe place. Yeah, I mean, listen, where they choose to take it, that's the writer's prerogative within the larger plan that they're executing. Um, but I think there's a lot of avenues open at this point until they commit. And then once you commit, obviously you've got to follow through. Now, a lot of people are going to say, all right, you know, you've made Ward a bad guy. You can shoot people and still be redeemable. Let's not pretend that that can't happen. This is a TV show. This is not real life. Right. <laughs> is this real life? Uh, anyhow, Noah's words continue. Uh, what's going to happen to the team? They've hinted that some may not make it through the finale. Ah, so many questions and not enough answers. And for a final one, do you think they'll reveal Sky's origin in the finale? Uh, what mysteries will be carried into season two? Like what universe was Garrett feeling? Uh, reality side, do you think uh, they'll be, sorry, do you think they're running with hashtag stand with shield thing as the last check before the finale to see if the show is worthy of renewal? If so, all us fans should tweet it. Uh, let's not have what happened to almost human happen to agents of shield. I love this show says Noah. Well, I'll start with the renewal stuff. If you look at the numbers and a lot of people who run blogs and entertainment, you know, uh, entertainment news websites and publications, etc., spill a lot of ink about will they, won't they for any renewal. Bottom line is this. The math tells us Shield is a lock to be renewed. It is above av it is a its ratings are above the average that ABC brings in for all it shows. Therefore, just logic would tell you uh, at this time slot or another time slot, they're getting more people than the alternative, which is something that might bomb. A new show that might bomb is more of a risk than saying, you know what, Agent Shield brings us a 2-0 each week and such and such on, on DVR and all that. So... Do not worry, dear listeners. In the next week, you are going to hear that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is renewed. That is not a question. Now, will I, you know, it, it, Pete, if you send me a text and say, 
click here to find out about Agents of Shield renewal. Will I feel trepidation at that moment? Yes. My that's that's my heart. My brain, my, the logical portion of my brain tells me the math ju- is just there that there's no way that this show is not coming back for season two. The only place that this show is going, Matt, is a different time slot. This show yeah. is coming back. When I see people on Twitter hashtagging, you know, save shield and, you know, agents of season two, your heart is absolutely in the right place. The show is coming back though. There's, there's only so much effort you need to put forth. It is not on the bubble. Um, in theory only, is it? It's just because they have not announced the schedule. There are a multitude of ABC shows that are virtual locks to return, the Goldbergs being another one uh, that follows Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. These are all safe. There's going to be a shuffling potentially of the deck. Um, You know, they've, they've not come out and said it. And yes, you can put some stock in that, but they like to be fairly dramatic with the announcements about their dramas. Yes. And in fact, I was partially surprised. I was partially surprised that they didn't do an announcement tonight. Just, just for the purpose of let's tell it to the audience, because when we watch next week, if you have Twitter, if you have the internet, you'll know. Now, is that everybody? No, it's not. Um, So maybe if it, if we are all in the know that it's been renewed, maybe they'll still, for example, the secret scene will be, ne- you know, uh, you know, next uh, next season on Agents of Shield. Bump by the bump. By the way, Pete, would you like to hear the complete list of ABC shows that have already been renewed for next season? Hit me. And that's it. Yes. So there Zero. you go. That tells you exactly what you need to know. That you would ever even worry. I mean, granted, if if the rating situation was less, if they were tying up things to a point like, all right, and we're done, there are no more narrative leads out there, then I'd worry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's nothing to worry about, dear listeners. Um, I'll just mention, uh, and we we kind of you know Noah had the question about Sky's origin. Uh, you know, we kind of touched on that. This universe that Garrett saw, nice, nice catch on his part. I mean, we we heard it. I know we discussed it, but like that, I don't know where that's going, but that was pretty in your face as well, just in terms of being like, you know, monsters. And I always see the universe and things like that where it's it's language that you wouldn't normally use. So who knows? Well, Pete, one thing I do know is that uh, during next week's episode, or for next week's episode, we will be announcing the winner of the review raffle. Take us through that one more time, Pete. We love hearing from our listeners and people who are engaged in this show, whether it is via your email, as Matt just read, or your tweets. Um, But equally so, we love iTunes reviews of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. Uh, And all new reviews submitted prior to the end of the day on Sunday, May 11th. We're given a little bit of lag time just because, uh, you know, Apple in the wake of uh, jobs passing might not uh, move as quickly as it did. Pete, why don't we say this? 
reviews that are posted to the iTunes page when we pull the name out of the hat on Tuesday. Absolutely. So what does that mean for Apple? I don't know. Is that Sunday? Is that Saturday? Is that Monday? Is that Tuesday? Get them in. Get, the earlier, the better. Get on it. Don't risk it. Okay. Uh, we're going to have a drawing of all those new reviews. Uh, your name can only go in the hat once, though. So please understand that. Uh, nobody's rigging this. And uh, we are going to draw this, and the winner will receive one of the very hot, hard to get, uh, had to be pre ordered, and, you know, I've since seen prices jump. Uh, Funko Vinyl, Agent Coulson, Agents of Shield, Bobblehead. I have one on my desk. It is handsome, it is friendly. Uh, one could be yours. Get those reviews in in dd2 now pete once somebody has left a review and they've of course emailed us just to let us know what their twitter uh, what their their itunes name is so we can match it all up uh can somebody hop on twitter and maybe tell you about it they can well matt 3257 followers can't be wrong you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. On Twitter, I am personally looking back lost. You can get in touch with the podcast at Fantastic Geek. You can send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com or leave a comment on the webpage, fantasticgeek.com. With that, Pete, I will just say adios to all our listeners and uh, say I'm totally excited for next week's uh, finale, season one finale. And Pete, you get the final word. Does your sweater itch? Pete, are you ready for your final orders? Acknowledge. Matt has become a problem. You need to neutralize him immediately. I don't know. Is that a weakness?